0: Miracles occur when humanity runs out of options. When there are no more options, let me just say this. Miracles are God's interventions into our lives. And this is so important. I love what the great Christian writer G.K. Chesterton said. He said, the most incredible thing about miracles is that they happen. Folks, you are sitting in a miracle building here. I'm just letting you know. Some of you are, just, of you are still shocked that how in the world are we sitting in a Broadway theater on 51st and Broadway. Because it's a miracle. I love one um, nightly talk show host said this. He said, the atheists have produced a Christmas play and it's called Coincidence on 34th Street. Well, we're letting you know we believe in miracles and this is a miracle on 51st Street and Broadway that's here. <laughs> Folks, who could, have, who could have put this together except God's intervention, that there would be one of the largest theaters on Broadway that would turn into a church. It's a Broadway theater and I know that they're, um, they're beginning to give advertisements of 20 years that Wicked um, has been running. But you know just the, the bad news for them, good news for the kingdom of God, Times Square Church is officially the longest running show on Broadway for 35 years. God wins. It's the miracles. Miracles show the world That there is something beyond us and even beyond our control. It points not to something larger, but to someone larger. That's what miracles do. Um, Why do you believe or why do I believe in miracles? It's because Jesus, who cannot lie, said these words. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. But we... We always think our problems need a miracle, but I want you to I want to approach this a different way. But what if our miracles needed a miracle? When I want to speak to you about when your miracle that you've experienced even needs a miracle. When this week I had the privilege of speaking in, for two days in Lima, Peru, we were ministering to evangelical pastors, and it was very humbling to speak to them. In fact, what became very humbling is that many pastors traveled through the Amazon jungle just to be there. They would spend the night in the jungle and then come to this conference, and we had 1,100 pastors come and join us, in the, in the nation of Peru. And they, these men and women were weary and tired. God is doing something special in the country of Peru. There are 8,000 evangelical pastors in that country. And there's a hunger and a move of God that is happening there. But their miracle of what God is doing needs a miracle. As we met with some of the leaders, this is what they told us. They said, pray for us. Because what God is doing is extraordinary, but we need a miracle. Because they said during COVID, of the 8,000 evangelical pastors, 1,000 died because of COVID. They said, we came, out of, we, came, we, we came out of isolation and realized we lost over 10% of our spiritual leaders. An army in the nation. And now our miracle needs a miracle. What do you mean by this, Pastor? Because this is a season that I want to talk to you about today that God began to put upon my heart, not only for us as a church, for me personally, but I think it's going to define something for you and give you language and give you biblical language on how to face what this means when your miracle needs a miracle. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we see a miracle. And, in, and over just the course of time of some verses, you're going to see that the miracle that they experience will need a miracle also. It's the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman. They are a couple, but specifically, I want to key in on her. Listen to the story. This is 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Now there came a day when Elisha passed over to Shunam. When there was a prominent, And there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat food. She said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by us continually. Please, let us make a little walled upper chamber. Let us set a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand. And it shall be, when he comes to us that he can turn in there. Some of us who grew up in the church heard of this phrase called a prophet's chamber. It's, the, it's, it's, it's something, a room that may be dedicated to, to even people of God. I'll, I'll explain that in a few moments. But in the Old Testament and the New Testament, if there was a traveling prophet, or even a preacher, or, or even missionary, as I did to Lima, they were dependent upon the church to house them, because any place... As a, that we would that would be described as a as a hotel would become so dangerous. So they needed. I want to I want to introduce you to a word that doesn't get talked about a lot in the in the church, and it's I want to talk to you about the hospitality of the people of God. This is such a key word for us to deal with. Because hospitality is not only mentioned often in the New Testament. It's the forgotten command given to us in the Bible. Let me explain because I believe our homes many times could become the first step in winning neighbors and friends and and, and people in our apartment building to Christ. I've heard so many times people walk into Times Square Church and sense something different. They start crying when they they hear the worship. I believe that can happen in your homes. I believe if there's a godly home that that you guys have prayed and worked hard uh, and with God's grace, I'm telling you, people can come in and sense the peace of Christ in your home. They can come in and sense something different that's not in their home or in their apartment. I am so thankful for our families at our Bible college in Pennsylvania at Summit Um, Dr. Teresa, who leads our Bible school, shows hospitality every holiday because we have so many international students that instead of them going back to their country for the holidays, we have families that take them in, show hospitality to our international students at our Bible college. In fact, when I was in Peru, one of the pastors said, my daughter was taken in by one of the families, during, during the holidays. Talked to one young man who was from Ukraine, and he said, I really can't go home for the holidays because I may not be able to get back. Because going back home with Ukraine, there was the possibility that he would have to go go and, and fight. And he said, I I'm, 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 need to finish my years here at Summit. Now folks, just a few verses. Matthew 25 says, when we show hospitality, you are doing it unto Jesus. Jesus even said that. Third John speaks about it being part and one of the ways we spread the gospel. 1 Timothy 3 is a command that comes to all leaders, that it has to be a quality, that all leaders are hospitable. Acts 2 says it was in the beginning fabric of the first church, the early church community. And one of my favorite verses, Romans twelve three says, you are to practice hospitality. Now folks, the reason why this is so important is because here it comes. Hospitality is a ministry that has spiritual surprises attached to it. Let me say that again. Hospitality is a rare ministry that has spiritual surprises attached to it. Some of you are going, Hospitality in New York City? I can't, have you seen my apartment? Okay, just bear with me for just a few moments here. Because there's something special about this hospitality ministry. Listen to it. Hebrews 13, 2. And show hospitality to strangers, for they may be angels from God showing up as your guests. Folks, do you understand? There is is a, a special surprise that God does that you have no idea... The supernatural possibility when you interrupt your routine or inconvenience your schedule of bringing people into your home. The couple in Shunem did that very thing by making, it didn't exist, they made Elisha a prophet's chamber. They took on a project to help the prophet and said, we're going to make a special room. But they had no idea what was connected to their hospitality. Now, now let me share this as a a side note. My parents had the gift of hospitality. It was, was, and I've seen what this is all about of the supernatural surprises. During Teen Challenge's early years, David Wilkerson, the founder of Times Square Church, would, would, who were wonderful friends of my parents, would use their gift of hospitality connected with his vision of starting Teen Challenge in Brooklyn. And David Wilkerson would bring prospective uh, perspective, uh, donors and even people that was gonna partner with Teen Challenge, and he would bring them, and my mom would make this supernatural lasagna. And when they would bring them in, they would show hospitality, and Brother Dave would begin to speak to them about what it means to uh, rescue drug addicts at that time in New York City and not knowing that those dinners at that dinner table would begin to lead to 1,000 to centers all over the world. My parents would later go on, oh, I have to tell you this amazing story. Talk about showing hospitality right after church. I had some woman, um, I, I, I've learned you don't guess ages, but, but there is there's an older woman here who her and her husband used to pastor and um, many, many years ago, they said we used to show hospitality to David Wilkerson when he used to come down to Florida and speak and we would open up our home for David, but he said he would always come with some police guy to our home. I said, that was my dad that you hosted. Like literally decades ago, this woman was hosting David Wilkerson and my dad as they were talking about Teen Challenge all over the world. But later that hospitality would go on. My parents would invite other Christian leaders over their house, feed them, even people who were without families that would come and live with us for months at a time. But not knowing that those leaders and those people that would be sitting around their table, they had no idea, supernatural surprise, on how was it affecting their son that was listening to the stories, listening to the testimonies of what was was happening. Now, let me give you just a biblical perspective of this. Let me tell you of another young man who was a product of hospitality. There's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 12, of the apostle Peter who was locked in prison and God, through an angel, miraculously delivered him. Let let me just sum up the story and then pick up, get to the hospitality part. Peter was sleeping in a jail cell. He was going to die the next day. Herod was going to kill him and an angel shows up and wakes him up from his sleep how many are like me, if you know you're going to die the next day, you wouldn't have to wake me up from sleep. I would be up all night long. But that just shows you when you have the peace of Christ and Christ is in you, you're not afraid of what tomorrow may bring. And all of a sudden, in the late hours of night, an angel comes. The Bible says how to strike him on the side to wake him. Peter's chains miraculously fall off. The doors open up by themselves. The guards were blinded. Peter walks by the guards through the door into the streets, and now he's on the outside of the prison, and the angel disappears. All of a sudden, Peter goes, let me get to a house where somebody, in a sense, is hosting a connect group, a prayer connect group in a home. And we want to talk about what it means whether you're online from different countries hosting a connect group or even right here in New York City. That is a sense of hospitality when you begin to do that. Let me show you what happens. You ready for this? Listen to it now. Verse 11 of Acts chapter 12. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went into the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. She was hosting a prayer meeting in her apartment. And think about this while they're praying, because we we're told earlier they're praying for P- Peter's release, while they're praying, the Bible says he knocked on the door of the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter is standing in front of the, the, the answer to the prayer meeting is outside the front door. And they said to her, You're out of your mind. She kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, It's his angel. Folks, think about this: you're in a prayer meeting praying for Peter to get out of prison the door the knock on the door and they're going no 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 that's that's that we're still praying that God would get him out he's out the prayer meeting worked and and so now they finally look what it says but Peter continued knocking when they had opened the door they saw him and obviously they didn't think their prayers would work and were amazed prayer works but motioning to them with his hand to be silent He described to them how the Lord had let him out of prison. Peter tells his story. But here's my question. Whose house did Peter go to after he was supernaturally released from jail? Because there's a a part here I don't want you to miss. The Bible says it was the house of Mary. Here it comes. The mother of John, who was also called Mark. John Mark where many were gathered together and praying. So in this prayer meeting, Mary's son, John Mark, is in the prayer meeting. And this young man is listening to the story of Peter going, I was in jail, supposed to die, angels set me free, chains came off, doors opened automatically, walked by guards that couldn't see me, showed up on the street, and here I am, nothing but the power of God. And all of it, it's a miracle that he's a John Mark's hearing this. But you're ready for this? Six years later, who knew what was going on in John Mark's life? Six years later, you read in the next chapter, Paul gets selected for the ministry, to go on the first missionary trip. And you're ready for this? It wasn't just Paul and Barnabas. Look at it now, chapter 13. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. They, Paul and Barnabas, went down to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John, that's John Mark, as their helper. I have to believe that this kid six years earlier said, wait a second, God can work miracles. God is doing something special. I, in my opinion, that kid may have gotten a call to the ministry when he saw what God can do in that moment. Who knew as a mother, by just hosting a prayer meeting in her apartment, that her own boy would be used to go on the first missionary journey in the book of Acts? Who knows What that night did for the young man as he saw a miracle at his front door. And when he saw a miracle take place, by hosting a group of prayer, the supernatural church is attached to hospitality. And the generosity of this Shunem couple, their willingness to inconvenience their lives... To upend their schedules and say, we'll feed the prophet Elisha. We'll let him stay there. Had no idea that generosity and hospitality made them a candidate for a miracle. And in a sense, Elisha would become their angel. Let me read it to you now. Here's the miracle that takes place. The surprise. Let me read it to you in 2 Kings chapter 4. This is what it says. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to them, Say now to her, Behold, you have been careful for us. With all this care, what can I do for you? Your hospitality has been noticed. Would you be spoken for the, to the king or to the captain of the army? Do you want protection? Do you want a favor from royalty? And she answered and said, I live among my own people. So she, so she said, What then is to be done? For, or he said, What should be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Truly, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, they stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no way. My Lord, O oh man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. And between verse 16 and verse 17 is one year. Look what happens one year later. The woman conceived and bore a son. At the season, the next year, just as Elisha has said to her. It's a miracle. Folks, all she was doing was hosting Elisha. Who knows what can happen? Who knows what can happen to John Mark? Who knows what can take place when Mary hosts a prayer meeting in Acts 12? She gets two miracles. She prays, the prayer meeting prays that Peter would be released. He gets released, and her son gets a call to the ministry, ends up on the first missionary journey. They said, let's just just get a little profit chamber for Elisha and let's just be a blessing. Generosity and hospitality made them a candidate for a miracle. And here's what's amazing. The woman and her senior citizen husband who inconvenienced their lives and housed Elisha would receive a miracle child. Who would have thought that this is what God was going to do? Now get ready now. I want to show you something. Chop this down. Most Christians long to see a miracle. They just don't want to be put in a position where they need one. We have people that are going, God, I need you to do something, but I don't want the problems that, that come along with needing a miracle. Then something happens to the miracle child, and she will need a bigger miracle. Their miracle is going to need a miracle. And here it is, folks. I can't say it any other way. Her miracle boy dies. He dies. See, conception is one thing. Resurrection, that's a bigger thing. To to see if God can work it out where this couple have a baby at old age is a miracle. But a dead child, this seems like an impossible. Listen to the story. Second Kings chapter four, when the child was grown, many say, this is at least 10 years later, 10 years later, when the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers, he was helping his dad in the field, and he said to his father, my head, my head, and he said to his servant, this makes me laugh all the time, bring him to his mother just like any good dad <laughs> he says i don't know what to do go to mom go to mom i don't i don't know what to do and the sad part of the story is this the father had no idea what was taking taking place and when he had taken him and brought him to his mother he sat the boy sat on her lap until noon and then died the miracle child has died the miracle in a sense is dead Folks, uh, 10 years you've had this child. 10 years you saw the miracle take place. 10 years, that, that at least 10 years, this boy is with you and the household is rejoicing. I wanna ask you a question here. And I'll explain for you what I mean. Because I want you to think, has this ever happened to me where my miracle needs a miracle? That I've watched God intervene in a situation And then all of a sudden, the miracle situation is now beginning to sour or beginning to turn south. Let me explain. How about a marriage you believe for, that you've been single for so long, and then you've prayed and prayed and prayed, and you're going, look, God provided that we're getting married, we're getting married, and all of a sudden, the miracle needs a miracle, because something has happened to the marriage, and now it's hanging on by a thread. Something went wrong. Maybe there was adultery. Maybe there was sin. Something has taken place. that Now the marriage that you thought was a miracle needs a miracle. How about those that may be sitting here, students, that it was a miracle that you got into this university when you opened up that email and it said you have been accepted to and it named the university and maybe even said that you have a scholarship there. And now all of a sudden as you are going through school, you realize that you're about to be blocked from registering for classes until you zero out your balance because the scholarship money ran out and you're thinking, wait a second, my miracle to get into this school needs a miracle now. If I don't, if I, if I don't pay this bill off, then, then I can't go back. I can't register, I can't graduate. How about the job that you knew God gave to you until they hired a new supervisor? And then all of a sudden you're going, wait, this is a miracle. Wait, now I've got to work for them. Or a new CEO that all of a sudden has taken the miracle job and has turned it into this this horrible experience every day that you get on a train or go to work or commute. You're going, "I, I used to think, thank you, God. Now I'm thinking, oh, why is this happening to me? The miracle needs a miracle. Or what about the miracle that you've prayed and that disease, that cancer has gone into remission and then all of a sudden you find out as you're doing the, the six-month updates or the yearly updates that it may be back and now the miracle needs a miracle. Or how about the couple that were told you can't get pregnant, you can't get pregnant and then all of a sudden a miracle takes place. And instead of lasting 10 years, maybe it only lasted 10 weeks And every time a pregnancy comes, there is is a miscarriage. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, my miracle needs a miracle. The pregnancy, we can't bring it full term. And how about those that are watching from around the world or maybe sitting here, how about a church or ministry that you have prayed, God, give me an opportunity, and God, God works something out, you're invited to be on staff or maybe even to be pastor or leader of a ministry. And then all of a sudden, something has gone bad. The board has turned against you. A family in the church, as you're trying to preach the word and let the the, the prayer meetings come to the church, you're being fought against. Some, Some power family feels like we're losing power because we're the big tithers in the church. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to some leader out there. And you're thinking, I thought this was God, and all of a sudden this family or this board member is starting to upend something. And what I thought was a miracle now needs a miracle. How about your salvation experience? What a miracle for us to be born again in this place today. But all of a sudden voices from the past have gotten in your head saying, are you done with this, enough of this, it's not real. You can't go to church every time the doors are open you don't love us anymore you love that church more than and all of a sudden it all gets in now the miracle needs a miracle as i was as i was praying for you and praying even last night it hit me so strongly folks the nation of israel existing is a miracle it's a miracle it wasn't there was nothing and then on listen to this this date is important on may 14th, 1948. By the UN by the UN resolution, they become a nation. May 14th, 1948. Why are you saying that date, Pastor Tim? Because the miracle needed a miracle. Do you understand? On May 15th, less than 24 hours from the miracle taking place, five nations attacked the new nation. To destroy it in 24 hours. And all of a sudden, the miracle needed a miracle. Folks, this nation, which is 75 years old, has known nine wars from the Six Days War in 1967, the Yom Kippur War in 1973, and what Israel is facing right now. Every single time people are trying to come in and take this miracle nation that should never existed, God put them there according to prophecy and according to the scripture and folks i want you to look at me i know this is not popular to talk about but i've got to talk what's in the scriptures and what's there for them. so i'm just letting you know that this i i i am I'm, I'm done being afraid or worried about what anyone said i'm done with a biblical worldview brought me to the places i don't care I really don't. If it says it here, that's what matters. And Israel is a miracle of what God has done. And I think if you're watching, and I know Israel is watching today, you need to understand your miracle needs a miracle. It needs a miracle in that nation. C.S. Lewis said it like this, pain shatters the illusion that everything is okay. One moment when all of a sudden everything falls, the floor falls out from underneath you. This woman, this Shunammite woman, decides to go and find Elisha. And all of a sudden, she takes that child, lays it in the prophet's chamber, and goes on a 20-mile journey from Shunam to Mount Carmel. And I want you to hear her first words. This woman where the miracle needs a miracle her child is dead the boy is dead died on her lap and and as i'm reading the story i'm waiting to what would her first words be when she sees the prophet why did you do this to us why would you give us a child and let it die why would you give us a miracle bring joy to our house and let us enjoy this precious little young man And then all of a sudden, grief has set into our home. I want to read to you after this woman has her son die on her lap, puts it on the prophet's bed, runs 20 miles, I want you to hear her first words that come out of the Shunammite woman. Here it is, church. Verse 25. So she came, went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look at this now, folks. Behold, there's the Shunammite. And here's what it says. Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And is it well with the child? And, folks, look at this. And she answered, Say it with me. It is well. What? where did you get that how did that happen it is well where did those words come from people are telling you to make funeral arrangements because the child is dead and she says it is well i have to tell you this is incredible to me we were, I, Ricardo and I were talking about this. We sing a song that I love the song, except for one part of the song. You sang the words. Because it's just not, it, it, there, there's more to the story. And, and the song says, if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Well, in this story, he's dead, but God's not done. Which, which means, if you're alive, God's not done. Here it comes. And if you're dead, God's not done. So I told Ricardo, I said, you can sing that song if you want to. I said, I love the song. But when you get to that part, just look at me. Because I'm going to go, mm not true. It's not true. true no how, how do you know? Listen, how does this woman say, it is well? Her response is a hymn. It is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford was a Chicago lawyer in the 1860s and was greatly influenced by the ministry of the great American evangelist D.L. Moody. And he was also a friend of the Moody family. After going through a number of of both uh, just difficulties and also blessings, they were in the blessing stage and Anna, his wife, and his four, four daughters were going to take a vacation to England, take a ship. No, no airplanes, but take a, a cruise, a, 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 a boat, over to England. On November 21st, 1873, they took from the East Coast here the French ocean liner, the Villa du Havre. It was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. And among those passengers was Anna Spafford and their four daughters, And Spafford, Horatio, had planned to go with the family, but found it necessary to stay in Chicago to solve an unexpected business problem. And he told his wife they would join him in Europe. He would join them just a few days later. So he finishes work in Chicago, go to the East Coast, catch an ocean liner, and meet them in England. Four days into the crossing, listen to this now, Times Square. Listen to this, those that are watching around the country and around the world. Four days into crossing the Atlantic, the Ville de Avre collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger, and the ship was sinking. Here's the part that's just, for some reason, as a parent of four children, it just it it moved me. It said that Anna, Horatio's wife, hurriedly brought her four children to the deck while the boat was sinking. She knelt there with Annie, Mar- Annie, with Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta. As Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta, it said that they prayed that God would spare them if that would be his will. And then it says this, or, or, or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Folks, that's, that, to me, I'm thinking, what kind of woman is this? How, how does she do that? How is she able to pray that? It almost sounds like the three Hebrew children that we will not bow, and God will deliver us, but if he does not, we still will not bow. While she had the four girls on, on the deck, within approximately 12 minutes, the Via De Avne slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic. 226 passengers of the 313 passengers including Spafford's four children, all perished in the waters. A sailor was rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down, spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage, and it was Anna Spafford. She was still alive, while her daughters couldn't even imagine if she even witnessed her four daughters going under and drowning before her very eyes. They pulled her onto, the, uh, onto a boat, on another vessel which was going by to help with the rescue efforts, and she couldn't telegraph her husband, Horatio, for nine days. Nine days later, in Cardiff, Wales, she wired her husband a message which began, saved alone, what shall I do? He said Spafford later framed the telegram and placed it in his office. Saved alone, what shall I do? Many don't realize is that just months before the cruise that they were going over, they had a little boy who also died in infancy. And now Spafford is childless. Five children gone. Five kids all gone. Spafford, after the telegram, booked a passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship four days into the cruise, to Cardiff, Wales, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told him they were over the place where your children perished in the waters. Now folks, what happens next is nothing less than a Shunammite moment. How does this woman, when they ask her, is it well with your husband? Is it well with you? Is it well with your child? And her words are, it is well. Horatio Spafford leaves the captain's deck, comes down over the railing, and looks over the ocean where he's lost four of his daughters. And out of the depths of Spafford's soul, words started to pour out. As Spafford wrote these remarkable words to this day is sung, and it goes like this When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. This is Spafford. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Then he said these words What ever my lot thou hast taught me to say what does he say it is well it is well with my soul the chorus goes like this it is with my soul it is well it is well with my soul how, how, do, you, how do you write that? how does this shunamite woman come like that spirit come upon you somehow that, that this thing hits you. Folks, the only thing I kept thinking about was that first verse, and this is what it says. Thou hast taught me to say it is well. Like, somehow, thousands of years separating a Shunammite woman and Horatio Spafford, somehow God bridges thousands of years from a Shunammite village and a man who is in the middle of the Atlantic and says I want you to understand the language of heaven even at your darkest moment I want you to be able to say it is well only God can do that folks what he was teaching us is like this one when my child has died when the report is bad when the resources are gone, when the marriage is on the rocks, I want you to ask me, how you doing, Pastor Tim? And I promise you, I'm going to take a page out of a Shunammite diary that when you ask me, how you doing, Pastor Tim, despite all the things that are happening, this is what you're going to hear. Three words from me. It is well. Child is not alive yet. I I don't know where that came from. I don't know how Spafford said it. I don't know how a Shunammite says it. Something deep. It was a faith declaration from her. She saw something. I I don't know what it was. But somehow, I want in my life, I want to be a it is well man. I want to be the kind of guy that when you show up, how, how you doing? Oh, you don't know what's going on. I can't. It is well. It is well with my soul. Out there, it's a storm. But in here, it is well. It is well. When I was, When I was in Detroit, there used to be we, 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 I was there for almost 30 years, and we, all we knew about was the big three: GM, Ford, Chrysler. And it was always a car that I never understood the the little symbol. I didn't understand why they would do it. It was from Chevy, and it would be like Chevy, and they used to have this deer on the back. I'm going, what, what's a Chevy deer? Like, what is this? Deer doing on and it and it was an impala. It wasn't a deer. I learned this. It's an African antelope that's only about three feet high, if that. And they said this little animal is amazing. They said at its size, it can jump ten feet high and thirty feet wide. They and so that's why you would see it on the back the Chevy Impala. It looks like it's kind of, it's in motion jumping. Well, I saw them at the Detroit Zoo. And what amazed me was this. They are small. They have these odd-looking horns. But the wall that blocked them in was four feet high. I was, I literally, I walked over. I said, what's wrong with you people? I said, you understand you can jump over this. You can jump 10 feet and 30 feet out. And I felt like it was like Madagascar, run, come on, be free, get out of here, get out, go. And that none of them listened. And here's what's amazing, this is what I learned. They built the wall a foot above them and this is what's incredible. If they can't see where they're jumping, they won't go. That woman was an impala she saw something there was something there that this woman got a hold of i'm telling you folks that she jumped and said listen i know what's on the other side of this wall my miracle needs a mirror she had the audacity you know what else she said in this chapter second kings 420 she didn't say it is well this is what she says you could read it in your bible 423 says this it will be well what how can you all of this talk is while that boy was dead That's when she said it. She didn't say it before because she knew she can jump. Folks, that's not the language of a funeral. That's the language of a miracle is what that is. That's why I believe, I believe they wrote about this woman. They wrote about that jump. They wrote about that woman that scaled over the walls of impossibility, that scaled over the walls of death. That scaled over the walls of grief. They wrote about her in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. She was in the faith chapter. There's a little verse in there that many people miss. And it says, by faith, women receive their dead back by resurrection she saw resurrection she saw god she saw miracles she saw and she was able to say you may stay on this side of the wall and go i can't go we need more resource we need this and that woman goes you can stay here and cry all you want i see resurrection i see god i see miracles my miracle is gonna get a miracle hallelujah all right. Here's the conclusion. All right. Get ready to write this. In. I want you to write this. How many still carry a Bible? Would you raise your hand? How many still? Okay, not many of you. How many use their phones? Raise your hand. Oh my goodness. All right. Write this in your notes. But all you old people, like me, I'm going to be officially old in three weeks. Um, I have this written on my Bible. I have written on the Bibles that I use, the Bible I use here at the church and at home, something that David Wilkerson said, and it's this. God always makes a way for a praying man. And if you're a lady, then you write down, God always makes a way for a praying woman. You write that down. Listen, let me tell you why this is important. Miracles happen when people pray. You can jump. You can say it as well if you know how to pray. You can say that. Miracles occur when humanity runs out of options, and here it is, and we close with this. Stand with me, and let's read this together. Second Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four, the rest of the story, says this: "When Elisha came into the house, he makes the 20-mile journey back, behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So we entered, and here comes prayer talk right now. Shut the door behind them both, here it is folks, and prayed to the Lord. When you pray, you can make that jump. It's the impala that just stands there going, I don't know what's on the other side. When you're a prayer warrior, you seek God every single day. You wake up in the mornings and go, God, I'm gonna gonna trust you. You You know what happens? Prayer, let you jump even, even when everybody else is standing put. That's why when you start to pray, you realize God can do anything. God can show up in anywhere. Here's what happens. Watch this. And he went up and lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. Stretched himself on him. And the flesh of the child became warm. Now this is what's amazing to me. It wasn't the end of the story something got into Elisha that said that's not what resurrection is I didn't ask for warmth I asked for miracle then he returned walked in the house back and forth went up stretched himself on him again and the lad I just for some reason love this part sneezed seven times and the lad opened up his eyes folks there's something about here's what i love about this is that when he started to pray he he saw signs of life but it wasn't the miracle warmth came back and did you notice what he did all of a sudden when warmth came that's not resurrection it's just warmth it's not resurrection the child is, is whatever is happening and then the bible says this like it's like this defiance in him saying that's not what we prayed for and the bible says he started to walk back and forth that's 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 kind of the defiant militant going okay we're going to fight this thing through. We're going to believe for God. You know who I see do that all the time during the, during the 6 o'clock prayer meeting where, where, where we'll pray this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock where all of you will be there for? It's, it, happens, it happens on Tuesdays right here. That's why I watch Pastor Patrick. Pastor Patrick prays that way. This is the way Pastor Patrick prays. He's got that Elisha spirit. He's got this Elisha something needs to resurrect spirit. Those are the people I want on my team. I want want the back and forth people. See, some of you may have saw some signs of life, but it's not the resurrection. I don't need warmth. I need a resurrection. I I don't need warmth. I need seven sneezes. That's what I need. So some of you are going like, oh, listen, we we saw something. They're coming home for Christmas. I didn't pray they come home for Christmas. I pray they get saved. That's what some of you are doing. Some of you are going like, no, we should be happy. We should be happy. They're, they're coming home. We should be happy. And I'm going, no, no, no. I don't want, just want them home. I want them saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, changed. I want a resurrection. I want them at that table sneezing seven times because God resurrected them at that moment. God did something deep inside of them. That's what that is. Don't, don't settle for warmth. Settle for a miracle. Make the jump. Now, here it is. I, I, I'm done. We're gonna sing. We're gonna sing you to this altar, and we're gonna sing it as well. Some of you, some of you, balcony, main floor, watching online. Your miracle needs a miracle. It needs a miracle. Now you understand. And all you've done is talk about everything that's that's wrong, and you've lost the it is well. And I need some of you. To make the journey here to go, I'm believing, not for warmth, I'm believing for a miracle here. Some of you are sitting up there going like, well, I'm in the middle of the, I'm in the middle of the row. How am I going to come all the way down? Just move, just go, it is well, it is well, it is well, it is well. I've got to get down here, got to get down here. You move them back just say I'm on and if, if they won't get out of the way just say I'm on my way to Shunem I'm on my way to Shunem I'm on my way to Shunem and it is well this is this is this is the back and forth place we're going to believe that God is going to begin to start not warmth but resurrection that what you, miracle. I don't care if it's marriage. I don't care if it's school. I don't care if it's health, resources, prodigal. I don't care if it's your salvation where the voices are coming back. Right now, the miracle is about to come. I want you to get out of your balcony. I want you to get out. Some of you go, oh, it's a long walk from the balcony. It's not 20 miles. So get down this, get down those steps. But as we sing this, get down here. We're going to begin to pray for you right now. Come on. I want you to sing this with me. Just say, when peace, as you come, like a river. Ever attendeth my. Come on, come to shoot. Let's believe it. Whatever my lot, hallelujah.
1: Whatever.
0: Come, let that be your language today. It is well. Sing it.
1: It is well. It is well. With my soul. It is well, it is well,
0: with my soul. well. It is This is one of my favorite verses. It gets better and better. Sing that second verse with us. Those saints. Sing it now. Those saints now. No oh, I like this part. Let this. Let, let this. this let the oh, this part makes me rejoice that Christ hath regard I want you to declare those words you say, Lord, it is well. come on, tell me it is well. Those are not magic words that take away the situation. those are God-breathed words that says, God is for me and if God be for me, who can be against me? And so that's why when that stuff comes against us you've got to have it as well inside of yourself you can ask i'm telling you i'm getting it i'm wanting i want that spirit how many are with me i want the it is i want that Shunamite spirit within me i want i want all you have to do is just ask me you you right there yeah the, 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 with the suit and everything ask me. Say, Pastor Tim, how you doing? It is well. What's your name? Gabriel. Oh, this is easy. You're an angel. This is so easy. Couldn't have picked it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so here we go. Gabriel, I'm just wondering, how are you doing? Yes, it is, Gabriel. Yes, it is. That's what God He's putting something in us. It's not, it's not denial. It as well as not denial. It's saying, I will not be denied jumping over that four-foot wall. That's what it is. It's not me going, "Oh, nothing, nothing bad has happened. No, no everything could be. I've got a dead kid. And I got a four-foot wall, and everybody's saying, "Prepare for a funeral, but something in me says, "Make the leap." Because on the other side is resurrection. On the other side is miracle. And my mir- Come on, lift those hands right now. Father, for every hand that's up, give- let their miracle get a miracle right now, Lord Jesus. That's what I'm believing for. God, I'm praying that you put a little bit of a, a, of a, of a militancy and a defiance. Let them get the back and forth, oh God. Lord, even while they're waiting for the for the D train, let them on that, let them on that on the platform walk back and forth. And people just think they're impatient, but they're praying right there as they're waiting for the D train, as they're waiting for the F train. They're they're walking back and forth, and everyone goes, everyone is thinking, why are they walking back and forth? But in our spirit, we're going, that's part of the it is well. That's part of the it is well. That's part of what God is doing inside of my heart. God is doing that. So Lord, with these hands raised send a miracle to the miracle send a miracle to the marriage to the health, to the prodigal send a miracle to the college student that's here right now send a miracle to those that are in a job that that was once a miracle but now it seems to be going south send a miracle for the miracle Lord God we need for God to show up again Father for those that have been saved before and all of a sudden the voices from the past have come back and said it's not real this is not right this that doesn't even exist. Why are you wasting your time? God said a miracle for the miracle of salvation right now. God, cancel those voices and put inside of them the voice of the Holy Spirit that says, you are my child. You have been bought with a price. Hallelujah. Now, folks, look at me for just a moment, and we close here. Do you understand? Some of you are here today. You being here is a miracle. How about this one? Just that you're alive. How many know what I'm talking about? Being alive. You're a miracle. Now, you are a candidate. Balcony, main floor. Let me, l- listen, let, let me speak to you. Those in Kosovo, those in Israel, those in Nigeria, those, those in Trinidad and Guyana, those in Australia, listen, and those that are right here. You have to have Christ in you. To do this, this this isn't this isn't some 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 you know mind game trick. I'm not Tony Robbins going like, "Hey, just say it as well, and everything's going to be good." No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't just say, "Speak it forth." No, no, no. If Christ isn't in you, this means nothing. Christ in you gives me the ability to jump to believe for resurrection. But the first thing God needs to do is now your miracle needs a miracle. So if you're here today, and if you're alive, your miracle needs a miracle. What is it? It needs the miracle of salvation right now. Salvation. That's what it needs. You need a miracle of salvation. And if you're here today, then let Jesus come in and change you. That miracle is called being born again. I tell people all the time, it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admitting that I'm a sinner. I'm out of options. B, believing that Christ sent his son. That's what we're celebrating for Christmas. God sent his son to be born because man has run out of options. And C, confessing him as Lord. What is that? That changes it from religion to relationship. God did not send his son 2,000 years ago to get you to church, he sent his son 2,000 years ago to get you to heaven. That's what he came to do. And that can happen right now. You don't have to bow your head, you have to close your eyes. Those online, pay attention. Here's what I want to ask you. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to be born again. I need my life changed today. Will you pray that born again prayer? I want to start this journey with God. I need God in my life. If that's you and just say, will you pray that prayer? Would you put me in that without any hesitation? With everybody looking around, if you go, put me in that prayer. Hold up your hand as high as you can right now. Hold it up high. Hold it up as high as you can. Look at all these hands. Keep them up. Keep them up. Yes, yes, yes. All over here. Yes 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 keep them up there all the way in the back yes 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 I want to make sure we see everybody's hands yes got you back there online just type in decided so we know can we just pray this together everybody in this place come on all of us pray say dear Lord Jesus I believe you're the son of God I believe that on the cross you took my sin my shame my guilt and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, now, say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide, and heaven is my home. Let me add one more thing. And it is well. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen.
1: Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at
0: Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.